0: It's not the power of one that changes things, it's the power of one another that moves mountains and moves people. I would still be a Santa Claus with a plastic bag of pajamas on my shoulder if it weren't for tens of thousands of people who made this happen.
1: Welcome to the Good Around Us podcast. Here we share stories of people doing good for others. I'm your host, Stephanie Keeley. Eve was a veteran successful TV marketing executive in New York City when one night she asked herself, is this enough? Before long, she was honoring a calling to support children through a simple act of providing pajamas to those in emergency shelters. By 2001, that grew into the Pajama Program, a nationwide organization ensuring children are supported at bedtime. To date, the organization has provided over 7 million pajamas and storybooks to children who are experiencing challenges beyond their control. And Genevieve's path continues as she supports others in finding their purpose and passion. Genevieve has been interviewed by Oprah, Today, Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, and more. We are grateful she is sharing her story with us today. Listen in. Take us back to the year 2001, 2000, 2001, you are a television marketing executive in New York City and something happened that changed the course of your life. Share with us that story.
0: Yes, I was 12 years in uh, to a great career as uh, up VP marketing for television syndication companies in New York City. My dream, you know, just to climb that entertainment corporate ladder in New York City And it was a very fast-paced, workaholic life, exciting and fun, and you know what I thought I wanted. And that, at that point, twelve years in, I just was in my apartment by myself, and I heard a voice—a sudden voice—in me ask me if this is the next thirty years of your life. Is this enough? And that that shocked me that I heard the voice Mm -hmm. and I didn't know where it came from but in the same breath I thought no I don't I don't want to keep doing this because it's empty and I really I was going so fast you know running so fast it didn't occur to me that you know I was passing the time was passing and I was going to be you know one day 65 and looking back and what did I do? And, you know, it was just like, just rained on me that there wasn't any reason for what I was doing, any meaning. And I realized that although I really, uh, walked to my, my traditional upbringing, being raised in, in a really Italian traditional household where I was expected, I always believed to have children, you know, and follow that traditional route first of four kids. I didn't, see that for myself. I wanted to be that that um corporate, you know, corporate girl. So I realized though that I missed having children in my life. Nephews, niece, they were great, but I wanted more. So I thought, how can I get children into my life? I immediately thought of those children who are taken out of unsafe and really tumultuous situations where where they're taken to an emergency shelter for you know, time being a safe house. And I don't know why I went there, but I went there and I started calling and I asked if I could come in and read to them at night. Again, there was another unseen force working to, you know, to help me figure out where to go.
1: Right. You just, I do. mean, cause you paused and said, is this enough? And no, it's yeah. not enough, but then, you know, how do you make those choices of the next step and what, yeah. you know, how you will incorporate interacting, engaging with children and helping children. Right.
0: Yeah. And I yeah. don't know where it came from. It just sort of tumbled out some thoughts and some, some direction. And that's why, you know, looking back and, and of course, over the 20 years, how many times I've realized it's the universe, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's everything outside, everything I thought was outside is inside. And there was some guidance there. So, I went to these shelters and I read at night and they were just the most beautiful, innocent children dressed in soiled clothes and tight clothes because of the situation. And they were in these places for a very short time to be processed, which I hate that word for children. Mm -hmm. And so I saw them at a very raw time and I sat on the floor and I read to them, week after week, different kids, of course, every time. And I never felt so grounded and I never, I never felt that. I mean, I felt it sitting on the floor with my nephews and my niece. But when I looked at these children, they were so lonely and afraid. It was a different, a deeper longing that they had. But I found that I was so connected to them and I was so grounded like never before. But what happened was week after week, I would leave and I, as I was leaving for the door, they'd be headed to go to sleep in another room. And for some reason, again, I know I was guided. I said, oh, I want to see it. I followed where they were taking them to go to sleep at night. And when I looked into what that bedroom was, mm-hmm. it broke my heart because it was just as bare as the rooms I had been reading to them in. There were two or three kids helped up onto different futons or couches. They were still in their street clothes, whatever they were brought in. Wearing, and I had these flashes, these movies of my mom sitting at my bed and my sister's bed and my brother's beds, telling us stories and laughing and giving us cookies and you know hugs and kisses and of course pajamas. And I and it was glaringly missing. They were sleeping in their clothes, and I thought, my goodness, how are they going to sleep and relax and rest and feel good with these clothes that are tight and soiled? And that's what came out of my mouth to the staff: Can I bring some pajamas next time? And they thought that was a lovely idea because apparently nobody really thinks of pajamas. And I would never have thought of it either, except for whatever was guiding me there, that invisible force to to say that. Mm -hmm. And when I brought pajamas and read to the children and started giving them out, there was a little girl who was so afraid of me, of, of taking anything from me. And I had to gently coax her for a while and still she said no until the end when all the other children were in that room with their pajamas. And it was just her and her staff person and me. And I knelt down with those pajamas I had saved for her, hoping she'd take them. And I tried one more time and I, and I had her touch them and feel how how soft. I said, see how soft mm-hmm. they are? And they're pink and you have pink in your, in your shirt. Don't you want to take your pajamas? And then she whispered to me, what are pajamas? What are they? And I had to explain for, to this little girl what pajamas were. And I just couldn't stop. I couldn't stop thinking. I couldn't stop hurting. I couldn't stop worrying about her and how many of these other children are out there who don't even know what pajamas are. And, and, and this is a little thing. can can I get them for them? And 20 years later, you know, it, it's, there's so many aha moments along the way that it's, it's not about the pajamas. It's not just about the material. It's about so many things that pajamas represent to a child and especially to a child who feels alone and abandoned. Yeah. And so you said these were,
1: these were children in places where they've been taken from their home, which was unsafe for, for some reason. Um, and they this was a very temporary shelter uh, before they would go into the foster system. Is that is that's that where of, it was Yeah.
0: beginning. Yes, yeah, those types
1: of places. Okay, and that's where you met the young girl who said, "What are pajamas?" Yeah,
0: and what are these? What are pajamas? She can hardly say the word pajamas. Right, so, that's are, a, that are, is a hard pajamas. word. Yeah, a little girl who never who never heard the word.
1: Yes, Yeah. and that stuck with you.
0: It became an obsession.
1: Yeah, so you turned that obsession into a nonprofit, you, you kind of took a leap. You said, I'm all in on this.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was very scary. I was not prepared. <clears throat> um, I wrote a book. So it's a tell all about the trouble I got into, um, you know, spending all my money and I'm not a saver. So I didn't have much, but I had credit cards and I thought, okay, i <laughs> have credit cards, five <laughs> pajamas for the children. And, you know, I just kept getting deeper and deeper into, into debt, but I couldn't say no, you know, I, I couldn't not answer the phone. I knew that there was a shelter calling. I knew what they wanted. I knew they got a new group of kids in. I knew I couldn't say no. And I ran, I ran myself ragged, trying to hold on to a job and, you know, not tell anyone what I was doing, because what was I doing? You know, I knew that my colleagues and my family and everybody would, would challenge me, would would look at me like I had six heads. At the same time, I met a great guy, you know, and I had never been married, never wanted to really get married and I took a chance by sort of telling him in a half truth way what I wanted to do and he said go for it you know follow your heart um, I don't think he knew that that was a foregone conclusion <laughs> right we <laughs> <laughs> were still married but there were there were hard times because I just wasn't you know forthcoming with what I was doing and my plans and sort of told them everything after the fact, but, um, but it's been an incredibly um, meaningful 20 plus years. Um, I no regrets and I am here to support and listen and help and coach anybody who wants to make a move, whether it's a a big crazy move or I call it, uh, you can either jump or you can slide. So Oh
1: yeah. I, well, I can't wait to for you to share a bit more about that because that career change, that shift is something that is meaningful. It can be quite meaningful if you're doing it for that purpose, but also it's so relevant right now where so many people are are asking themselves that question of is this enough? Is what I'm doing what I really want to do? Is this what my heart's telling me to do and where should I put my professional or my work energy? Um, so I definitely want us to create some space for you to share more about that. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, I, I want to go back to, so you've cre- you created the Pajama Project program.
0: program. Yes, Pajama, Pajama Program.
1: program. Yes. And through that, you know, you were personally buying all these pajamas for a while. And then you said... Mm-hmm your, your husband said, go for it. (laughs) And so you turned it into a nonprofit and, and, but essentially it started with just friends and family donating, right. Just giving pajamas.
0: Yes. Yeah. New pajamas and new books. You know, I I told them about the little girl and and I, you know, I just asked for everything for my birthday, for holidays to do, to do a drive. People were dropping them on my steps, my, my doorsteps and, um, and it was it was incredible. And, you know, I still thought it was just going to be me running like a crazy woman around with a sack of pajamas and books and reading to these kids until someone called from a national magazine and asked if they could write a little article. And I said, sure. And they said, oh, are you the lady giving pajamas out in Harlem at the time? And I said, yeah, among other places. And so she said, I'm going to write a, a little article if it's OK. And it literally it was, it was like two paragraphs. But one day I came home and there were thousands of boxes and packages there. People from all over the country read that and they felt what I felt when she asked me, what are pajamas? And that was in the article. And it was overwhelming. I had just gotten married to that man and he saw this as well. And we were neat. Knee- I say knee deep. We couldn't even see each other. The boxes were so, wow. so high past our eyes. And we were opening them as fast as we could and letters. And I mean, we were crying. It was just unbelievable what people were writing. And one company wrote and said, if you send us your 501 C three, we'd like to give you a grant. And I looked at him and I said, what is this thing here? 501 <laughs> with the parentheses a I didn't even know what that was, but I said, this is a responsibility. These people trust me. and." I have to make this real. And that's when, you know, that's when I started paperwork and had to find an attorney and didn't know what I was doing one foot in front of the other in a dark, you know, a dark alley. But so many people wanted to help and we got it done.
1: Yeah. I mean, a true founder's journey where you are following a a mission of your own, where you felt really called to, to do something, to find a solution for this problem you identified but then you get into the world of making it that responsible, legitimate organization so that more and more people can contribute to it. And that is no small feat. That is a that is a big learning curve that you likely went through. Um, to get moving forward about five years in, as I understand it, you got the call f- to go on to the Oprah show. Is that right? It and- does. You, at that point you'd raised, you raised and given away 85,000 pajamas yes, and then came Oprah, then came your Oprah moment, which so many people, especially during that time period, just dreamed about. Um, Tell us about that experience.
0: It was an incredible wild ride. I was sitting by myself. And I got a call and the woman said, I am so-and-so producer on the Oprah Winfrey show. Do you have a minute? And that's when my brain split and half of it said, do I have a minute? (laughs) I have all the time in the world. And the other half was saying, calm down, answer the woman's questions. Mm -hmm. Don't be a fool. Don't, you know, trip over your words. And and through the entire um, conversation, this was going on in my head but apparently I wasn't a babbling idiot because she said, okay, I'm going to call you back. And she called back several times over the next two weeks. And my, you know, my head was always warning me, stay calm, just answer the questions, just answer the questions. And finally, and I didn't tell anyone, not a soul, not my husband, wow! no one, because the last thing you want is to tell people Oprah called and then have to tell them, but they didn't pick me. Oprah said, no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Finally, she called and I remember I was walking in Manhattan in front of the Morgan library and I see the number on my phone. Of course I knew it was her and I I answered it. And after that conversation, she said, okay, we're going to book you. And I said, I'm I'm coming on the show. And she said, yes. And I said, can I tell my husband? She said, you didn't tell him? (laughs) I said, no. She said, yes, go ahead. And so I have a million stories and I don't know how much time you have, but, um, it was an incredible, incredible um, experience. And through the whole thing, you know, I half of my brain was keeping me calm because all the other half wanted to do was scream, you got a call from Oprah, you're on Oprah, you're sitting next to Oprah, you're looking at Oprah. And the entire time, my insides were jumping up and down while it looked like I was poised.
1: <laughs> well, you did a fantastic job. And I'll make sure it's linked in our show notes that to your video, um, oh, where you were on the show, but yeah, I would love to hear just kind of that, a main, any pivotal store. I mean, that is the, you know, the moment that getting through there and, and getting mm-hmm. to the point of booking, that's certainly one of those life-changing moments. Um, but any, anything that stands out from that process, because I'm sure it was a really big experience.
0: Yeah, well besides the funny stories, the one I guess profound thing I took away is a quote that that I um I have on my website because it really touched me. She introduced me, she said one woman found her own way to um honor her calling. And I thought, wow. That was that was so um eye-opening for me because even though it was 5 or six years in, I didn't see the whole picture. I saw mm. myself running around trying to get pajamas to kids. I knew it was meaningful to me, but I didn't. Now I know 20 years later, the meaning of purpose and, and that the purpose was not just to help the children, which we did first, but to, to bring us together, to bring so many people together, so many supporters. It was incredible. Strangers that, you know, normally wouldn't have anything in common, just, just, flock to help because of the story because of that little girl and it it is a calling and we all have a calling and it's she just Oprah just said that and I was just so touched that that's how she saw it because you know I didn't see it yet I just saw something I I was obsessed about but but we do all have a calling we do all have a purpose and and you know, she, she made me aware. So now I'm, I'm honored to help people. And I always have her quote in the back of my mind. Right. Like how we're can you honor your
1: how, yeah. How can you honor your purpose? You know, it's so interesting when people, when we're, when we are kind of putting our heart into something, you know, really doing something. And oftentimes we're so in the weeds of yes. it and we're just so busy and, um, just focused that when someone articulates in a way you haven't let your brain go to like when someone articulates that softer side of it that that bigger purpose side it it feels it feels so humbling and so good to hear that yeah
0: I sort of did that in one sentence and even you know now every time i think of it or i i see it and i hear it um It's just like, wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, on the show, they raised 32,000 pajamas alone (laughs) just
0: on her her picture above me, (laughs) just
1: on the show. And so I imagine that it also just took off from there. Is that right? Did you just get uh, flooded? Yes. And they
0: warn you, you know, the producers warned us because it, other people before me, their websites crashed, they couldn't fulfill orders right. or whatever. And they warned me, and we were thank goodness um, prepared with our website and, and a couple of people standing by to help. Um, and it, yes, it elevated everything the participation, the donors, the chapter presidents, um, the numbers of pajamas, <laughs> the companies that wanted to get involved. Yes, it takes, wow. there's an O oh, effect, like they say. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then you stayed in the role as executive director for 20 years with that, um, with the organization and, and it's still in existence, but you oh, yeah, decided it was time for you to make another leap and follow it, another calling to help people in a, in a different way than, than the way you had been for the last 20 years. So share with us about that. You've, you've kind of introded it a little bit, but share with us about the work you're doing now.
0: Right. Right. Well, yes, For my first purpose was to help those children and still is my first priority to help those children have that bedtime that that feels um, comforting and that someone cares, even if it's an invisible person that they don't see Um, and, and bedtime, how important it is, what it means. And through those 20 years, so many of the adults who joined in on this mission asked me about their purpose and, and asked me to mentor or help them or answer questions or guide them. And I realized there's a purpose part two here that I want to embrace. And that's to help other people find that joy that I found sort of by accident. It found me, but a lot of people now, like you said, and I started this before the pandemic, but it is, It is incredible how many people in the last two years have caused that P word to go from pivot to purpose. And it has been missing in so many people. And I think being around what we were doing and contributing and watching, those people who realized they didn't have work like that might not necessarily want to start a nonprofit, but they wanted to follow their heart. And it doesn't have anything to do with starting a nonprofit. It has everything to do with listening. To your voice. So I realized that I wanted to write a book and share because I've always shared the ups and the downs, the good and the bad, my mistakes, and the things that happened that, you know, blessed uh, my journey and um, brought me the people who I needed. And, And so much of it is persistence, so much of it is courage, and so much of it we learn on the way. We don't come in saying, I can do this. And every time there's a challenge, say, ah, poof, no problem. And I didn't want people to feel alone. I wanted them to feel comfortable knowing that I would tell them the truth, but how worth it, how, uh, how much it's worth to stay there and that the ups outweigh the downs and that at least you can count on me to be a cheerleader. Right. Right. Well, you mentioned something
1: um, that I think is so important about that kind of finding purpose and that, that pivot from pivot to purpose moment. um, And that it's, A lot of times, even on this podcast here, we, we talk to people who have founded a nonprofit or work in that kind of um, charitable field, but doing good work and fulfilling your purpose can be in so many different ways. You may say, Hey, I want to become an attorney and Mm -hmm. go back to law school. Or you say, I want to open a neighborhood grocery to serve my community. Like there are just so many ways where you might say, Hey, does my does my work right now have purpose? And is this really what I want to be doing? And that, that pivot, that, that shift, that leap of faith can be in so many different ways. Um, And so I, I imagine in your work today, you get to have so many really rewarding conversations with people to develop those new trajectories.
0: Yes, it, it is. It's a lot of fun. And, and it's, I, I understand and, and it's it's sometimes um, trying to to be that person again, because I want to go back there so I, I can understand exactly where they are and that fear and that worry and those questionable um, times, you know, and afraid to tell people in their lives. And I remember so well how, you know, it, it feels fresh when they're telling me that. And then I just, I step out of that because I've come through so I can relate to where they are and I can help, you know, link arms, so to speak. And then 24 hours later or a week later, I'll get a text. You know, I did it. I found this person. This person called. You'll never believe this. And I just shake my head and I'm like, I do believe it. I know. And if I could just be there when it's dark and promise you that you will find a way. And that's, you know, that's just so rewarding.
1: Do you know how many children you've uh, affected? More than 7
0: million new pajamas and new books around the U.S. Wow. 63 chapters that we have, yeah, across the U.S. So, and, you know, it's, I appreciate what you're saying. And I used to say it before I started pajama program, you know, look at, look at one person, one idea can, can do so much, can change things. And, you know, and I thought, Oh, those people are lucky, you know, Oprah, Gandhi, Einstein, you know, Martin Luther King, those people are given this special gift and the rest of us are lucky enough if we can find some happiness, you know? And I, I thought that, and I, and I thought it was okay, but I was so wrong. And I was also wrong ever believing that it takes one person because it's not the power of one that changes things. It's the power of one another that moves mountains and moves people, and that's the number one lesson that I've learned and that I I just share because it's it, nothing. I would still be a Santa Claus with a plastic bag of pajamas on my shoulder if it weren't for tens of thousands of people who made this happen. It just wouldn't have been exactly right
1: yeah you're the catalyst with a great idea and some bravery and some stick to itness. um well that that
0: stick to it I have I don't know about the bravery
1: (laughs) yes it's brave to take a a dark cave,
0: stepping into the dark cave but they say that's where the treasure is
1: yeah yeah but that but you're right that that connects to connect with other people is where the magic happens. To bring yeah. others into your great idea um, is is how you make it possible. And, yeah. and, and sharing it's sharing stories. stories. It's it's not about one person. It's not it's not your story. It's the story of many, um, which is quite a humble way of putting it as well. It's true.
0: So, it's true. I, yeah. I, really, I know. Yeah. I know. I would have been wandering around with a bag of which would have been fine. I never expected to be anything more than that. But it's the power of sharing an emotional story that that happened to you, and and everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. Everybody.
1: I um, am curious if there was a primary motivator. You know, you saw you saw this, and you said you saw a problem, and you tried to find the the solution to it. Was there anything specific or anyone who was really motivating
0: you to just keep going? Um, Well, there there are a lot of stories where in my darkest hours, something happened, you know, um, and I can tell you one that I thought of when you said this. There was a point a few years in um, where it really did start to get to me. Okay, I'm giving pajamas. They love them. You know, the the staff are happy. It's contributing to giving them a good night, good night's sleep. I feel good about it. It's a nice thing. But what happens after? You know, they move, they leave, they grow up, and they're still alone, most of them. Am I really making a contribution more than just, you know, a temporary little thing? And that would creep up in me from time to time. And I remember it was a a time when that was really bothering me. My phone rang and I answered it and it was a man. I hope I'm not going to start to cry. And he started asking me a whole bunch of questions. Why are you doing this? Why do you think of this? Where are you going? What places are you bringing? What ages are you serving? Um, You know, what happens when you go there? And, And I'm answering the questions and then I'm getting nervous I'm thinking, okay, am am I going to get in trouble? Am I doing something illegal? Who's asking me? And he sensed that I was getting nervous. And he said, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to, you know, make you feel uncomfortable. But I want to tell you, I was a little boy in an orphanage. And nighttime, bedtime was my most lonely, scariest time. And not just for me, but for the other boys in my cottage. And I cried myself to sleep asking, where's my mommy? And he said, "You are you are giving them love. They will feel it. I promise you." And I mean, out of the blue, I got that call. He is a good friend to this day, and of course, he's been a supporter. And he's told his story, and I've told that story. And I am so grateful to him for just for showing up, you know, and and making that call. Little did he know, I needed to hear it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It was the voice you needed, right. Right. When you needed it. Yeah. Yeah. So Genevieve, thank you so much for sharing your story and for sharing, um, all that it, it takes, you know, a little bit or a glimpse of what it takes, um, to make an impact like you've done. Um, and then also some, some helpful tips about how we can follow our purpose a bit, and I know there's so much more. And we'll direct people to your website and your book where you share more about all of that. Um, before we close, I wanted to, to ask you if there is a quote or a mantra or a saying
0: that you carry with you. Oh, um, besides the one that I always, my lesson learned um, mm-hmm. on my desk, I have the commitment. Can you see? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, and it's, it's just uh, until one is committed, there's hesitancy, the chance to draw back, always ineffectiveness. And I don't want to read it all, but it says at the end, all sorts of things occur to help one that would never otherwise have occurred. A whole stream of events from the decision raising in one's favor, all manner of unforeseen incidents, meetings, and material assistance that you would never have dreamed will come your way. Whatever you can do or dream you can, begin it boldness has magic and power in it so that i have to remember no matter what i'm doing is that commitment has power and the universe will rally around you
1: the power of one another i love that i had a lot of takeaways from this conversation and i hope you did too Genevieve is open to hearing from you and exploring your ideas. She wants everyone to know that they are not alone. Check out the show notes for how to connect with her. As always, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts and connect with us on Instagram at good.aroundus. Thanks for listening to the Good Around Us podcast. Until next time.